Hello, church. We are back. I'm Ben Shaw, the director of Modern Worship and Media, and I am excited to announce that we will be resuming our weekly sermon podcast. As you all know, the global pandemic threw us all for a major loop, and we were calling audibles left and right to make sure that we could provide a positive and impactful worship experience for all of you. As we are starting to get back on a regular weekly schedule, we are ready to resume the production of our weekly podcast. Today is Thursday, but beginning next week, you can look for our sermon podcast to drop on Tuesday mornings. Also, over the next few weeks, we will be releasing our backlog of sermons from over these last few months. We will release those throughout the week, and we don't want you to miss those either, so if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we are glad that you have chosen to be in ministry with us here at First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And we pray that we can all live into our mission of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know Him, love Him, and serve Him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. Now, here's one of our associate pastors, Reverend Zach Fisher, continuing our sermon series called Relearning Balance, Sabbath, and the Age of Always Tired. through seven. God, I, I pray that as we hear your word and your scripture proclaimed today, that you might open up our hearts and minds, uh, that your people might hear your voice, your word speaking to them today. Our scripture says, from the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped, at, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Was it to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? My wife Caroline and I went on a walk around the block the other day. And I thought to myself, hey, this is as good a moment as any to run through my sermon. And so I began to tell her that this sermon for today was about Sabbath as resistance to anxiety. And she is someone herself who, who deals with anxiety, so she was instantly intrigued by what I had to say. And as I ran through my sermon, 
I began to realize that we had gotten ourselves into a lively theological debate, or at least that's what I'm choosing to call it. In truth, she was probably getting a little upset with me. But I bring this up to say that we walked all the way through the neighborhood back to our house and onto the couch for several more minutes before it felt like we really got on the same page about Sabbath. She had this aha moment and looked at me and she said, okay, I get, I get where you're coming from now. For me, I'm just so used to hearing about Sabbath as a time where we sit still, try to be peaceful and keep our minds focused on God. And I'm not saying that it's not that. I was just adding a lot more into the mix. I want to talk to you about Sabbath today in a little bit different way. And I don't want us to take this this message uh, around the block into the narthex and back home with us before we really get on that same page. So I'm just going to be frank here that today I want to talk to you about Sabbath as resistance to anxiety. Uh, That It is a way for us to intentionally practice something that reminds us that we are mortal people, that that we have our limits, that we are not God and we don't have to be. Sabbath is for us something that can uh, be an intentional practice for us of setting aside the mess of the world and then turning back to realize, hey, It's still there. It's still messy even though I left. The whole world didn't fall apart because I took just a few moments for myself to rest. I think that there is a counterintuitiveness to this sort of practice. It's like getting that water from a rock in our scripture this morning. It's something that can ultimately, I think, free us up. It can free us and empower us to recognize that we're not God. And and I hope that this news finds you uh, in a hopeful place this morning. I hope that it finds you well and that it doesn't leave you thinking that I'm I'm trying to tell you that your efforts don't matter, that that your actions don't have these consequences, good and bad. I, I do believe that. I just think that we maybe hold ourselves a little too highly sometimes. We, we think that we can't let go of our work but we do need to let go of it sometimes and realize that God will hold together the tension of our lives. I hope this doesn't add to your sense of anxiety and anxiousness, but that you are freed by the message to recognize that you can shake out your hands. You can let go of those things that you can loosen your grip and that you can leave that work alone for just a moment. I hope this morning is an invitation for you to really, truly take a deep breath and just be. Andy explained last week that that Sabbath is a lot of things. It's about abiding in that deep presence of God. Sabbath is about remembering that the people of God were once slaves in Egypt and that that pushes us to to resist oppression and evil in whatever forms they present themselves in the world. And and that Sabbath is also about glorifying God uh, above all the idols that would be in our lives. And and I'm adding just that last bit in today, uh, that, that Sabbath is a chance for us to recognize our mortality, to intentionally practice letting go. 
our scripture shows us that that anxiety that we strive to let go of through Sabbath is nothing new in the life of the people of God. When God's people were wandering through the wilderness, uh, they were weary, they were thirsty from their flight from Egypt, and albeit understandable, they, they had anxiety. They had anxiety uh, that came from that fundamental place of of wondering if there will be enough for you, wondering, will you be safe as a vulnerable person in a dangerous world? Thirsty and no doubt weary from their journey, the people came to Moses and said, give us something to drink. As Moses heard the cry of the people, he took their cries to God and said, God, what shall I do? What shall I do with this people? And God instructed Moses how God would provide for the people through Moses. And God instructed Moses to gather some elders of Israel to take the staff with which he had struck the Nile and to strike the rock at Horeb, where Moses would find God standing there. God said, Moses, strike that rock with your staff and water will come spewing out for the people to drink. This story is a beautiful example of God's provision for God's people. God is always creating for us a way forward where we might be filled with anxiety and in the midst of our, our attitudes of scarcity, God is demonstrating the abundance of God's kingdom by making water flow out of places we would never think imaginable. This sense of anxiety that gives us this attitude of scarcity rather than the abundance of God's kingdom is what pushed the Israelite people to question Moses about God's plan. Uh, they, they asked, why had they been led into the wilderness in the first place? Had they been given false hope in leaving Egypt? Did they come all this way just to die of thirst in the desert? Surely not. Anxiety had been all that they had known in Egypt, and were they fools to believe that God was really, truly leading them out of that anxiety that they had known? You see, in Egypt, under the rule of Pharaoh, the Israelites lived a sort of anxious production. The, the Pharaoh was himself an anxious figure. Even back in the days of Joseph, the pharaohs were plagued by nightmares of famine, constantly afraid that there would not be enough food produced from the land, that the people might riot and that they may lose their, their place of power. This is all anxiety-driven. By the time of Moses, the pharaohs had, had grown to pursue more and more building of granaries, and there was a, a push for the peasant classes like the Hebrew people in Egypt to make more and more food. That's what the book of Exodus tells us, and that this pushed the Hebrew people to the point of enslavement. This never-ending cycle of imperial quotas uh, it, it created this intense exploitation and violence among the people in Egypt. And even though the Pharaoh occupied the pinnacle of power, he was powerless to stop something out of his control like a famine. 
and, and he grew restless and, and pushed the people at a dizzying pace to keep up with his own anxieties. The thing is, though, that when we're dealing with anxiety, there is no amount of, of work and preparation that could ever quell our fears. Our fears will always be greater uh, when we're dealing with anxiety. And so Pharaoh's anxiety permeated every part of Egyptian society. It's out of this context, atop Mount Sinai, that God gave a new order to break that, that cycle of anxiety. The giving of the Ten Commandments was a new way of life. God was giving a new and holy law for us to truly love God love our neighbors, and love ourselves. Through the commandments given on Mount Sinai, God was reordering society. Uh, society was no longer to be about this anxious production as, as Brueggemann calls it in, in our book that we're, we're looking at for this sermon series. Uh, the, the laws that, that govern the land don't need to be about making a, a situation in which Murder and adultery and coveting is something that people feel like they need to do to, to get by and stay alive. That Egyptian system was unholy. And so God was bringing together a new order, a new way of life that focused on neighborliness and the loving community. We see this in the laws that are given about how we treat our neighbors in, in, in those Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Under this new law, life was no longer about this anxious production, feeding Pharaoh uh, and feeding his anxieties. But instead, it was about a life of love, of neighbor, and the importance of community. The law set out a new way of life. It, it taught that you shall not wrong or oppress resident aliens, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. It, it sought to protect and aid the widow and the orphan. It looked out for the poor by instructing those who lent money to them uh, that you, you won't deal with them as creditors. You won't exact interest on any loans that you give by reflecting on the experience of God's people in Egypt. God's law, as established through the Ten Commandments, spoke to that anxiety that they had experienced in Egypt, and it said, you don't need to live your life that way anymore. In this context, God's commandments included uh, not just commandments in, in the sense of you shall not, but they they had an invitation to a new way of life. They were a breath of life that shrugged off uh, the anxieties of life. And, and God was saying to the people, not just you shall not, but you don't need to. God was saying, you don't need to kill. You don't need to lie. You don't need to covet in order to get ahead in life. This good news about the kingdom, which God was establishing through the law, uh, was something that inspired Jesus. When, when Jesus spoke in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about uh, your body, what you will wear. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet the heavenly Father feeds them. And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to the span of your life? Why do you worry about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field. Well, they, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? Therefore, do not worry, for it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed, God knows that you need all these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness." And all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will surely bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Don't worry is what Jesus' message was there. The scriptures say it, uh, but how could we not worry we look around us and we see the state of the world. We see the things that should fill us with anxiety. We see pandemic. We see a, a workload that we can never accomplish. We see it all. And it seems these days we're all a bit anxious, especially our young folks. As we're looking around at the world, we see that it's widespread. It's something that we, we see a, a general anxiety over pervading our, our culture. The um, Anxiety and Depression Association of, Association of America reports that 18% of adults 18 and up uh, will uh, experience throughout the course of a year uh, an, something that could be an anxiety disorder. This isn't just hey, I'm stressed out at work. This is, I'm about to, to break. I, this is affecting my quality of life. 18%. And if we're looking at our, our younger people, people 13 to 18, that Anxiety and Depression Association of America says, hey, that number goes up. It's as much as 25%. One quarter of people are experiencing things like generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, uh, phobias, social anxiety disorder, just to name a few. As we discuss anxiety this morning, I, I recognize that some of us have vastly different experiences uh, for what it means to live with anxiety and that God's invitation to Sabbath may present us with some very different challenges. Letting go of anxiety would be nothing short of miraculous for somebody that, that says, hey, I've got a disorder of anxiety. But that invitation is still there. And being asked to trust God is a task that may require lots of work and support from a loving community to be made into a sincere challenge for many people. But the challenge is still there. Regardless of if our anxiety is to the point of a disorder or if we are just plain stressed out. As we gather for worship this morning, we are no doubt filled with all sorts of anxious thoughts. Our anxiety generally appears to us to be about particular things uh, that, that promise us if only we could overcome those things, if only we could do everything on our to-do list, then we could achieve some sense of, of long-lasting security and bliss. That's how we, I think, generally think about anxiety. But the anxiety that we face is much more deeply entrenched as part of our life. It, it's, it's unchanging, existential, and persistent. It's something that comes from deep within ourselves. 
we're tortured by anxiety, and we fall prey to some very powerful fantasies about how we can get rid of it, how we can be calm. For some, that fantasy is us fixating on travel. We resonate on a deep level with that old Southwest Airlines campaign, Want to get away? It asked. Yes, yes, we do. We want to run away from responsibility and embarrassment and anxiety. If we just hold out and work hard for a few more months, we can pay that exorbitant uh, sum of money and we could be sitting on a white sand beach with warm water lapping at our feet. Maybe then we won't have anxiety, we tell ourselves. Perhaps we tell ourselves that, that we would be calm if our homes were exactly the way we wanted them. Everything in its place, no more clutter, pristine surfaces. We obsess over getting that perfect set of bedside tables from Ikea because we say when my house is in order, I'm not going to be stressed out. I'm not going to have that anxiety. For some, it's reaching that right place in the company when we nail that big presentation, when we uh, finally get that Employee of the Year award, when our work is recognized, when we meet that sales goal that we've been striving after, when our shares are worth the right amount, or when we can finally walk into a room and those strangers will know exactly who we are, that's when we tell ourselves our anxiety will go away. Maybe your fantasy for getting rid of anxiety is, is finding that right person to spend your life with. Uh, it, it's about finding that person that will truly understand you, that kind, playful, sympathetic person with thoughtful, compassionate eyes in whose arms you could lie in peace. Travel, home, status, and, and love, none of these fantasies unfortunately work. Inevitably, there will be anxiety at the beach. In our pristine homes, there will be anxiety. Uh, after the sale of our company, anxiety, and in the arms of anyone we could ever seduce, anxiety will be there too. These fantasies are at their core escapism, isolationism, vanity, and codependency. They are idols that can do nothing to really get at the root of what our problem is. We often use religion as a fantasy as well. We tell ourselves that if only we trust God enough, if only we pray hard enough, if only I'm a pious person and I do exactly what God wants me to do, God will take away all of my anxiety. We, we read that verse about the lilies of the field and we say, yeah, God will give me everything I need. My anxiety is what I need to be taken away, and God will take that all away from me. However, we find in Scripture that being the recipients of God's provision doesn't look like an anxiety-free life. In our exploration of Exodus, we saw that those who followed Moses into the wilderness wandered thirsty, and they quarreled with God, and yes, Yes, they were disobedient people who swore that they would follow all the commandments of God only to turn around and worship the, the idol of a golden calf. But I tell you this, that even Jesus, the perfect Son of God, had plenty to be anxious about. Anxiety is part of our lives because we are intensely vulnerable people. There's a lot of ways for us to try to cope with this anxiety, though. I, I invite you, if you say, hey, I'm one of those people with the disorder, 
please pursue some therapy. There are ways that we can work on this, but it just doesn't go away. I'm afraid that our map to water this morning looks like it leads to a rock. The, the, more, the most important thing that I can offer you is an invitation to recognize and accept that you will always be anxious. We are all more anxious than we would care to admit, I tell you that. So, so just know that you are not alone. We're all anxious. Some of us are so anxious about the way that we'll be perceived by other people uh, that we agonize about our own anxiety. But even the tech mogul, even that young couple in love are anxious underneath that thin veneer of a social media profile, under that thin veneer of what you think their life is like because you looked at that profile. We're all anxious, and yes, it's to different degrees, but there's no reason to be anxious about how anxious you are on top of it all. Sabbath is not rest in the sense that it's always something to put us at ease. Sabbath often takes us to deeply uncomfortable places as we squirm to fight against our deeply ingrained anxieties, which tell us that our lives will fall apart if we just stop and try to let go of our anxiety for even a second. Sabbath reminds us of our mortality and our limits. It requires us to walk away from the mess of life and the brokenness of the world to abide with God and to trust that God will hold together the tension of our lives. Sabbath is part of this new way that, that God's kingdom is being forged into the world through the action of people who give one another the space to rest from their work. As an act of response this morning of what we've explored on Sabbath today, as an intentional practice that invites us into community, recognizing our anxiety and our need for God, I invite you this week to set aside some time to resist the anxiety in your life. Take some time after the worship service this morning and, and think about those things that make you anxious. I know that that's going to make you anxious, but, but please take this time to do it. Is it work? Is it the safety of your loved ones? Is it this pandemic? Is it social situations? Any number of things, whatever that is, the source of our anxiety and, and realizing that says a lot about what we need to practice letting go of. Now, set aside a, a time this week to intentionally practice Sabbath. Put it on your calendar. Set an alarm on your phone. Don't give yourself an opportunity to not do it. You definitely will pass it by because it, it is uncomfortable. If you can make it uh, an all-day thing, great. If you can only find an hour this week to practice Sabbath, that's fine too. Remember that Sabbath is not just a commandment. It's an invitation uh, to a new way of life. And you may not be good at that new way of life right off the bat. Maybe you will experience that your mind's buzzing all over the place as you're trying to do this practice of Sabbath and, and that you're thinking about your anxieties the entire time. That's okay. As a practice, uh, we, we remember that it's something we build on by consistently attempting to do it. 
Set aside your time for Sabbath and, and make sure that it's a holy time. Make sure that it's sacred. I invite you to commit to make that time a priority in your, your week. Make that practice of rest and resistance a priority for yourself and I'll be doing that with you. I invite you to do this and may God bless us on this journey with living water from the hard places of life. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like more information about how to get involved here at FUMC, you can find us online at FUMCM.org or by searching FUMC Borough on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Have a great week.